What is happening, everybody? It is crossed up. This is Bob Wankel, and I am alongside Russ Joy. No, wait, no, I'm not. I am aside alongside Anthony Sanfilippo. Where the hell have you been the last couple of weeks? Know what, Good Bob? to have you back. This is how this is how people had to know that you were lying, that you weren't alongside Russ Joy. He would never have let you lead the show. <laughs> That's true. He would never let you That's leave. True. He's got to do his whole rigmarole at the beginning yeah. of everything that he does, right? So we, we're, we're just automatically second fiddle to Russ. So like yeah, the, no, what, yeah. What's his name? Michael Buffer? Is that yeah. the, uh, the boxing <laughs> ring announcer? Yeah, he's like, the, he's like the Michael Buffer of podcasts. So no, it is Bob Wankel. It's Anthony Sanfilippo. We have the uh, number one pairing here tonight, this evening, for a fresh episode of Crossed Up. Phillies Yankees just finished up about an hour and a half ago. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And obviously, we're only four days away from the regular season, the opening day of 2020. After all of the labor strife, the coronavirus concerns, we are within hours of Major League Baseball finally making its return. There is plenty to talk about in this episode. There's been a ton going on with these exhibition games, the intra-squad scrimmages. And so it's it's really just nice to be back. And, and tonight, we are going to get baseball talk Without all the bullshit, we're just going to get right into it. We're going to be able to talk about Phillies baseball, what it's looked like on the field, what we should expect this weekend against the Mar- uh, the Marlins and moving forward. And I, I'm so excited for that because all we've said the last three-plus months is wouldn't it just be nice to talk about baseball and react to something that we've seen on the field? And finally, here we are. Yes, Bob. It's – I, you know, I've been looking forward to this week for months, just like you have. I know you're, you're as much of a baseball guy, if not more so than I, even I am. And I've been really looking forward to this just to get the game back, not just so much the Phillies. I mean, yeah, obviously I watch all the Phillies games and I, it's what we talk about on this show, but I just to get the game back. Like, I, you know, we watched a little bit of KBO. Yeah, we watched, we watched a lot of – I tried. I faked it, man. I faked it, the KBO we, we, thing. Hey, well, you, were bet, you, know, you guys were betting the KBO yeah, right? a little you know, bit. Just keep you know. it interesting. You know. Yeah, keeping it interesting, right? Uh, we watched a bunch of old baseball games, right, flashback games, some really cool ones too. Like, I, I, I give the, the networks credit. They didn't just play the same damn 10, 15, 20 games that we've all seen over the years. So we watched a lot of old baseball. We watched uh, the, the second spring training, the inter-squad games, three exhibition games, and now here we are finally in th- in, on Thursday night. We'll have the first major league game, and then Friday the Phillies open. It's, I know it's only a 60-game season. I know everybody's going to complain and say, oh, it's not a real year. Guess what? I'll take what I can get. It's good to have baseball back. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because I know I don't know if it was the last episode that we had together or it was the one before that, but I had said to you, "What are your thoughts on a sixty-game season?" And I know that you were kind of a little bit down on it. You said, yeah. "I don't, I know it's not, it's it's not what I wanted." I feel like I need. I think you said at the time you needed at least eighty games. Well, I was I was, I was the, okay with 75, 70, 75, but yes, I would rather. So imagine. now, as this thing moves closer, you kind of just say. Okay. <laughs> it's not ideal. It's not how I draw it up, but I'll take what I can get. Yeah, look, I, 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 that's, what I, that's where I'm at now, Bob. I, I'm at the point where it's take what I can get because, you know, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I'm not a big fan of DH in the National League, but I'm going to accept the DH. I hate the fact that they're going to have a guy on second base to start extra innings, right? But You're still not have, over that, huh? We're going to watch it. I'm not gonna, no, I'm never going to get over that. That's wor- I'll take the DH every day and twice on Sunday before I take that stupid-ass rule where they're putting a runner on second base. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? It's, 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 it's so dumb. Um, but I'll accept these. I'll accept the rosters are going to go from 30 to 28 to 26 to back to 28, wherever the hell they're doing. Like, I'll accept all this craziness. The trade deadline after, after 25 games, like, like whatever it is. Like, I'll accept it all just for this one season because I want baseball. And so yes, as we record this, we're uh, 41 days away from the trade deadline. So. Oh, I know. It's uh, crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And it's going to be this is, it's going to be interesting Anthony, to see. This is this is what I was saying a month ago. The chaos of this season, the unprecedented nature of this season is going to create so many compelling storylines and you know, it was one of my takes very early on, it went, when everything was going down, and we didn't even know if there was going to be baseball, and if there was going to be baseball, it was like, uh, each side's going to drag each other to, to the starting point here, and how can anybody really get behind it? And my thought process was, 
though, though we hated the Players Association and though we hated the owners throughout all of this stuff that transpired over the past couple of months, the main thing that I couldn't get beyond was that the unique nature of this season is going to just create so much natural intrigue and the 60 games and just dealing with, with all of the outside issues of this pandemic and the, the health concerns and everything about this season is going to be different and, and not all of it's going to be good, you know, and, and I don't want to sugarcoat this and just right. like make it sound like, Oh wow, this, everything is great. Everything is awesome. There's a very good likelihood, though, that within each individual camp, things have actually gone fairly well through the first two weeks, besides the early hiccups with testing and and the, you know, the results being delayed and and all of that. Really, over the last 10 days or so, we haven't had any bad news. Bad news is probably coming. You know, we're going to have a a key player test positive, and especially once we have each team move in and out of different cities. We're going to be headed for some turbulent times this season, so I don't want to make it sound like, "Hey, it's it's baseball and all is well." Like the reality of the situation is that we're still dealing with a very serious situation here. But that being said, it's easier as we approach the the beginning of this season to say, "Like this this is going to be pretty damn interesting," and and that's where I'm at right now. I think we have. The, the makeup and the ingredients for a fascinating and compelling season of baseball. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, and, and when, you, when you look at certain moves that teams are making, like I look at – and this, you know, is never on the radar. If, if, if anybody in Philadelphia other than some, you know, geeky fantasy baseball player or fantasy baseball owner knows this or pays attention to this before I say it, you know, that, I'd be surprised. You look at a team like Florida or Miami, Marlins, for example. And they make, they make a transaction on Friday where they send Jordan Yamamoto down to their minor league camp. It's, it's a blip on the radar, right? Nobody even notices something like that. But the fact of the matter is, is Yamamoto had a really nice 80 innings for them last year. He's 24 years old, up-and-coming pitching prospect, like did a nice job for them last year. And the, he's not going to be on their 30-man roster. And the reason is, that they came out and said was, well, yeah, we're still all about development, but in this season, it's all about winning. So even the Miami Marlins, who you would assume is the last place team in the National League East, with a brutal schedule of four teams that are better than them in the division and playing the American League East, which with the exception of the Orioles, probably everybody's better than them there, they view it as in 60 games, anybody can win. Anybody can win. And I look at the Reds. The Reds in the same situation. And yeah, I know they made some moves to get better last year. But they have a, the kid, uh, Aristides Aquino. They sent him down. He came up in August. Well, he's the fastest guy to hit 20 home runs or 50, whatever. He broke Reese Hoskins' record, right? Not on their roster to start the season. As good as he was in August and September. So, like, these teams who you don't think of as contenders are viewing themselves in a 60-game season as contenders, which is going to make it all the more compelling and wild. We've talked about it. You know, you look at the Phillies specifically, Phillies podcast. I don't, I, I, let's focus on the Phillies. They don't have a ton of depth. I think that there are several questions over a 162 game schedule. And this is something that I've said multiple times on this podcast. I'll say it one more time because my opinion, despite what I've seen, and I've seen a lot of encouraging things at summer camp over the past two weeks, you know me, we get accused of being negative all the time on this show. Mm-hmm. I could give you plenty of reasons to be optimistic and feel good about the Phillies based on my observations of the past two weeks at camp. That being said, I don't believe that the Phillies were designed or, or going to stand up over a 162-game grind. In this 60-game schedule, though, could I see the Phillies, if I squint hard enough, winning the NL East? Forget being a wild card team, winning the NL East in light of what has happened to the Atlanta Braves in the past few days, in light of what has happened to the New York Mets, which, by the way, there are several questions up there. I know that like the Mets are kind of like the, the dark horse team that, that everybody's sort of feeling. Maybe if, if Washington kind of falls asleep and the Braves continue to have some issues, that it's going to be the Mets. I think that there's plenty of reasons that you can talk yourself into the Phillies being the team that ultimately emerge. And win the NL East. John Paul Morosi, John Morosi, 
Fox Sports MLB writer, came out today. He, he picked the Phillies to win it. He said, I think they have the right mix. I think that there's a, a significant upgrade at manager. I think that this lineup is dangerous and maybe as dangerous as, as any team outside of the Dodgers in the NL. And he could see it. And, and I got to say, I don't agree with him. The Phillies wouldn't be my pick to win the division, but it's not absurd. It, it, it wouldn't take a miracle. They wouldn't be a Cinderella team if they were to go on to win the NL East. Bob, you could tell me right now that you could see the Phillies winning the division, and I'm not going to be surprised. You could tell me you see the Phillies just as a wild card team, and I would not be surprised. You could tell me you see the Phillies as the last place team in the division, and I would not be surprised. I mean, that's ultimately what we're going to have. We're going to have a season of complete chaos. It's going to be – we're not going to know how this is going to play out. We really have to see how it's going to – because, you know, we can sit here and we can make predictions tonight, right? And we can sit here and say, hey, this is where I'm at with this team. But so much can happen that's just out of anybody's control that you just don't know. I mean, the – we could, the Phillies could go into the final week of the season, just just for shits and giggles. They could go into the final week of the season, right, and be playing, you know, need to win, I don't know, four out of six, let's say, to win the division. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the entire starting lineup has COVID. And now all of a sudden you got to call up a bunch of minor leaguers who haven't been playing anywhere except against each other to come in and play those last six games. I mean, that could happen. That yeah. could legitimately happen. And it's something that you sit there and you joke about like in any other year, but now it could happen. Like, who knows what's going to be? And what's crazy about it is that COVID-19 aside, this season's going to be chaotic just from a baseball standpoint. Anything could happen just from the baseball standpoint, just based on the structure of the schedule, based on the just so many different factors. The, the fact that it really is, and it's such a it's it's cliche, it's trite to say to, to call it a sprint at this point, but this is a dead sprint. It's just nothing that we've ever seen before from a baseball perspective. And then when you throw in that COVID angle to it, that's where all hell could break loose. You know, it's I've equated it to previously, it's like somebody hitting a flare into left center field and your shortstop going out into shallow left center and your left fielder, your center fielder, and your shortstop who happen to be your, I don't know, one, six, and seven hitters colliding and boom, they're out of the game just yeah. like that. You know, it, two pitchers get together. Let's just say, for for instance, look at the Phillies. If, if they're rolling along and all of a sudden Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler are out of this rotation because they were either uh, positive, they tested positive, or they were exposed to somebody who tested positive, they could miss two, three starts. That's going to completely tip the scales of the season. And I don't want to sound callous. I don't want to sound uh, cold. When, when I say this, but that in and of itself is compelling. It's, it's intriguing and it's going to create added drama to this season and, and it's not good. And I hope it doesn't happen and it would be unfortunate if it did, but that is just a completely different wrinkle into this whole chaotic 60 game mess of a season that we're about to embark upon. Well, not only that, your best pitchers are only going to make, what, 12 starts? Your best hitters are only going to get 180 at-bats? 200? Yeah, I guess a little maybe a shade over two. If you have 700 – well, plate appearances. So, yeah. If you played 162, you'd have 700 plate appearances. So, yeah. shave that by, you know – Yeah, so, yeah, plate appearances. Yeah, a little over yeah. 200. So, I was saying, I was saying at-bats because I know it's 3.1 at-bats to qualify – for batting title, right? Um, per game. So, so yeah, so around 200 plate appearances, 220 plate appearances. Uh, you go back through the history of baseball and you could find the best players, the greatest Hall of Famers, and find 220 plate appearances, a stretch of 220 plate appearances where they were otherworldly. And you could find a sh- the same person, stretch of 220 plate appearances where they were below, below average. Right, Hoskins. Okay, I'm just saying. Right, (laughs) you can find out with the best players in the game. You could find some of the worst pitchers to ever pitch in the game who maybe had a 12 game stretch where they were decent. Like, and we're going to talk about that tonight because the Phillies' number three starter is not somebody we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season, and and we don't think he's very good. But you know what? 
in a 60-game season, he could be a freaking Cy Young contender. Who knows, right? I mean, it's, that's, what, that's what we're facing here. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you, you bring up, like, the, the idea of a pitcher or a hitter getting hot. Remember a couple of weeks ago we had John Foley on, who, who runs yeah. the 93 Phils account. And one of the things that jumped out at me more than anything about the 93 season was Tommy Green. Like, I was eight years old. That was the year I fell in love with the Phillies. But Tommy Green, like, just went through this stretch for, like, two and a half months to start the 93 season where he was Nolan Ryan. I mean, he was unbelievable. Is there a guy on the Phillies staff right now that is underachieved and maybe hasn't hit his potential that for 10, 11, 12 starts could put together a, a lights-out stretch like that? Maybe. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll address that, <laughs> a little teaser for you, but we'll address that uh, in a couple minutes, which actually will lead us into where we wanted to start off the show. Like Anthony and I, before the show tonight, went over some notes and like, what do you want to talk about? And we're like, what now, 10, 15 minutes into this thing and we're rolling. We're just amped up to talk to each other, I think, at this point. Yeah. But where we wanted to start the show tonight was with the announcement prior to the Phillies-Yankees game on Monday afternoon that Aaron Nola will officially be the Phillies opening day starter. And I guess there was not a lot of drama in this. Like a lot of people said, oh, there's a surprise. Aaron Nola is going to make his third consecutive opening day start. But Joe Girardi was noncommittal up until today about who his opening day starter would be. And obviously Aaron Nola missed the first couple days of camp. There was some speculation that he may have been diagnosed with COVID-19. He was not. Uh, there was uh, a little bit – he was in limbo because there was a potential contact with someone who had been exposed. And there was concern. Will Aaron Nola be ready for the start of the season? But after Saturday night, five innings, uh, it was excellent against the defending world champion Washington Nationals, extremely efficient, looked like vintage Aaron Nola. He will get the ball in game one. Not a surprise. Zach Wheeler – if he does not have to leave the team because his first child is being born, uh, his wife, I believe, is actually due this weekend, will take the ball on Saturday against Miami in the 405 game. The third starter, though, is, is the one where you kind of have to scratch your head. If I would have told you a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, that Vince Velasquez would likely be an opening weekend starting pitcher for this team, your reaction would have been what? <laughs> I, I, don't even know. I don't even know if I would have reacted, Bob, because I would have just thought it was a total joke. I would have just assumed you were, you were full of it. Like, there's no way that Vince Velasquez is an opening weekend starter. It's got to be Arietta. And if not, if there's an injury to Arietta, whatever, I probably assume it's, it's Zach Eflin because, you know, Eflin started to pitch well at the end of last season. And, you know, back if you go back to March, I didn't even think Velasquez was going to be the number five guy. I mean, if, if they didn't shut down spring training because of COVID in March, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Ranger Suarez was going to win the number five starting job ahead of Velasquez and Pavetta. And, you know, obviously Ranger Suarez isn't in camp. We assume he's one of the people who's recovering from COVID. We don't know. We haven't gotten an update on that yet. Um, but he ha hasn't been in camp, so obviously he's not an option. But Velasquez, not only did he beat out Pavetta for the number five spot, he beat out Eflin, and he beat out Arietta to get all the way to hell to number three. Where did that come from? Yeah, uh, you know what? It's funny. Early on in camp, and, and I don't know if, if, if you're listening to this show, I don't know if you're new to it. Maybe you've, you've been listening to us for a year or two now. I've been at camp. Uh, I've been down there most days. I've seen it with my own eyes. Early on, Vince Velasquez impressed me. I know that we've all been down this road before. He's made 99 career starts, over 120 career appearances. We know that he has some potential. He has the big arm, and then he disappoints. And so I, I was cautious in being overly optimistic about what I was seeing from Vince Velasquez. However, he looked good. He looked like for the first time in his career that he was pitching. And it, it wasn't just, let me see if I can throw it by you. It wasn't like Rick Vaughn, Major League Two. Like, if you can get a piece of it, you can name it. He, he developed the cutter. JT Romuto had talked about that. There's been some work and some progression with the changeup. And all of a sudden now, there are times where he flashes that plus fastball. He flashes that plus curveball, and he's added a third and, and possibly fourth pitch to the mix, and it makes him a dangerous pitcher. And he's not just a guy that's trying to live at the top of the zone and blow you away with plus stuff, but it's intra-squad, and it was in small doses. And then he comes out tonight, 
And he was excellent against the Yankees. I mean, he threw 25 pitches in the first inning, struck out the side, loaded the bases, kind of labored through the first inning. You said, well, this is vintage Vince Velasquez, isn't it? Completely inefficient, dancing in and out of trouble, shows you some good stuff, can't quite locate. And then for the remainder of the evening, he goes the next four innings, throws 48 pitches, is outstanding for the rest of of the night and to me against that lineup and you can say the game doesn't matter it's an exhibition whatever it's a good Yankees lineup that rolled out there tonight and I've been saying this for the last couple weeks I know you can't put too much stock in what you're seeing right now but you'd much rather see a guy do it and be successful than not do it and be unsuccessful and right now Vince Velasquez is giving us reason to say hey he didn't back into this starting rotation he didn't become the fifth starter because Nick Pavetta sucked and because Spencer Howard has to have his service time manipulated. He won a job on merit. And, you know, no knock on Jake Arrieta, who's been fine. But he's, he's kind of been the, the third starter, the third best starter on merit over the past few weeks. How much of this, Bob, do you give credit to Brian Price? It's a consideration. And I, I think that there was a disconnect with the previous regime, whether it was Gabe Kapler whether it was the, the hitting coach, whether it was the pitching coach, you know, Chris Young, I, I just think that there was, and, and I think we've talked about this in, in previous episodes. Sometimes it's not even necessarily what you are being taught as the student. It's your belief in what you're being taught. It's your belief in the person who's teaching the concept. And I think that for Vince Velasquez, for Nick Pavetta, for all of these young guys, there is legitimate hope that they can take a step forward this year because, A, they're probably getting better coaching. But, B, because this is a guy that comes in with a reputation as a successful pitching coach. This is a guy that has some clout. So when he talks, you listen, and you believe in what you're being told. And in turn, I think that that can have a really positive result in your own performance. And so – I don't think that you can undervalue Brian Price and his impact on these pitchers right now. Now, two weeks from now, if Vince Velasquez looks like Vince Velasquez of 2016 through 2019, we can just say the guy doesn't have it. It is what it is. But right now, is it the worst thing in the world to be optimistic about Vince Velasquez and maybe possibly finally maturing and and making a progression? I, I don't think that's a ridiculous concept. 2020 has done a number on you, Bob. It really has. It really has. I could a year ago. I mean, at, at this time a year ago, I'm done with this guy. I'm and I was in agreement with you. I completely. I don't, I'm not just trying to make it out that it was just you, right? I'm the. I'm in the same boat. I was done with this guy last year. We talked about it at the end of the year. We said if they can't come back with Vince Velasquez, Nick, Zach Eflin, oh, and God. Nick Pavetta, no way. And now here we, we are this, with these same we guys. This is the beginning of last year. You know, it was <laughs> like, how much more can we do of this? Please, no, anything but these guys. And I mean, I was touting Spencer Howard, who, by the way, has been impressive. I don't know that Spencer Howard right now, out of this camp, is the Phillies' fifth best starter. Uh, I, I know what I saw the other night. He's been ultra impressive. It may be a little bit too much to put on his plate right now. It's a moot point, though, because he's not going to break camp on this roster. It's not going to happen. If it's Velasquez falters, if Zach Eflin continues to be this hot and cold, mediocre, number four, number five starter, there's going to be opportunities for Spencer Howard. I want to see him pitch as a starter because that's what he is. I don't love the idea of doing like the David Price 08 raise thing where you ease him in as a reliever. The Dodgers going back to 08, same thing. You go back through the Phillies playoff run, they eased him in as a reliever. I want Spencer Howard to take the ball every fifth day, get the experience. But right now, based on what I'm seeing, I don't know how you don't give Vince Velasquez this opportunity. And if you watch the start tonight, it wasn't one of those starts from Vince Velasquez where you go, yeah, I've seen this before. He mixed in that cutter. He threw an effective changeup at times. He just looks like a more complete pitcher. And I am not predicting a Sahi Young award here. I'm not telling you that he's going to throw a sub-3 ERA out there over 11, 12 starts. But I, I do think that he gives you more of a fighting chance than he has in the past, just based on the arsenal, based on the, the, the pitch repertoire alone. Well, let's hope you're right. I mean, I mean, it's it's quite 
It's quite po- – and I can't believe that we're sitting here saying this. It's 2020, it's- baby. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything's, Anything's possible. possible in 2020. But it's unbelievable. That's really what we're, where we're at with him. Um, and, and I'll be honest, Bob, I didn't even have him pegged as – I had him probably third out of that competition in March. Like, I, I thought, you know, I mean, I didn't think he was – I didn't think Pavetta was good either, but I, I kind of thought Pavetta was even ahead of him because I thought that they looked at Velasquez and said, eh, maybe we could get a little something out of the bullpen out of him, you know, full time. You know, turn him into that Brett Myers type, right? You know, see what he could do at the back end of the bullpen because the bullpen was – it's, no, it's not much better now, it was, but it was a real disaster in March. Um, and, and so, like, I kind of thought that he was – he wasn't even really going to be in consideration. And now here we are four months later, and he's where he is. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's as un, unexpected a story that uh, I couldn't have predicted this as a storyline for this season. Even, even as much as three weeks ago, I couldn't have predicted this. It's possible that Nick Pavetta is, is, is in this rotation. We don't know exactly what's going on with Zach Eflin yet. He was a little bit behind. He was dealing with back spasms early on in this camp, and he's going to throw a simulated game on Thursday, I believe. Right. And what he does in that simulated game is probably going to dictate whether or not he will be available against the Yankees after the opening series. If he's not ready, if they don't feel confident that he can get to 65 to 75 pitches, you may see Nick Pavetta. And this is just a a product of 2020. Typically, you're only going to stretch out your five guys, and then you're going to kind of cast everybody else out to the bullpen. But, you know, Gabe, geez, reflex. Um, Joe Girardi's talked about the need to to possibly have all of these different variations for rotations here. It's possible – it it is possible that we see Nick Pavetta early on. I have to say, head-to-head between the two, there are people that have been long higher on Nick Pavetta. I just don't see it. I talked to Brian Price about Nick Pavetta and, and how he's developing the changeup and why that's such an important pitch. And Brian Price said all the, the right things about how he's been really impressed. Nick Pavetta, to me, still looks like a guy that is grasping at straws. And I, I don't want to say that to be mean, but I, I look at how he sort of reworked his delivery. He's kind of gone to this short arm approach there's this idea that he's, he's trying to implement the changeup. I still don't think it's a plus pitch. I think it's still more of a show-me pitch. When it, when it comes to Nick Pavetta, I still think that he's a, a fastball, curveball guy, and, and if he's on on any given day, he can get away with it. And If he's not, he's not going to get away with it. I still think he struggles to, to find this command. I know he threw, I think, four no-hit innings the other night, but he still walked four. He was still a little bit off with command, and – when I look at Nick Pavetta, he still just seems to me like a guy that doesn't know who he is. And I think the Phillies in their progression and where they're trying to be in 2020 in terms of, of trying to compete, I don't believe that Nick Pavetta fits w- where they're at. If they were that team in 2017, 2018, that was like, we can take a shot on a wild card. We can take a shot on an unknown with some upside. I just haven't seen the progression from him that I had hoped to see. And so for that reason, Vince Velasquez is ahead of Nick Pavetta for me. And I'm not a huge Zach Eflin guy, but Zach Eflin is still ahead of Nick Pavetta for me. And I don't know that Nick Pavetta necessarily translates to a high leverage bullpen option either. I think Vince Velasquez is actually better equipped to, to be that guy in the bullpen than Nick Pavetta is, but it just so happens to be that that Vince Velasquez, I think, is better equipped to, to possibly morph into the starter that we had hoped he would become than, than Nick Pavetta is as well. Let me ask you this, and this is I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not trying to downplay all the positive that we've brought up about, Nick, about Vince Velasquez. Is it possible the Phillies just didn't want him to play against the Yankees in the regular season, and that's why he's in the three slot? Yeah, I mean, having yes. pitch against Miami, Toronto, the first two times through, and then Miami again. I mean, it, 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 the, the path he's on right now, he will pitch. First three starts will be Marlins, Blue Jays, Marlins, and he'll skip the Yankees entirely and, and Atlanta. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, when you look at this, I, I don't know that Vince – I actually – I do know. I don't think that Vince Velasquez is starting on Sunday because it's an emphatic statement that he's our third best pitcher and we have this much confidence in him. I also don't think it's a knock on Jake Arrieta. Right. It really kind of came down to scheduling and where each guy was at in the progression. That being said, 
the Phillies did have two, three weeks to sort of map out where everybody was going to be leading up to this point. I mean, Vince Velasquez was here from the jump. Jake Arrieta was here from the jump. So if they really adamantly wanted Jake Arrieta to pitch the third game of the season, they could have structured their scheduling in order to make that happen. Could they be protecting Vince Velasquez? Sure. That being said, Vince Velasquez sucked against the Marlins last year. He made five starts. I know. He pitched 21 and two-thirds innings, so we're talking about less than five innings per start, just a shade over four innings per start. He gave up five total home runs, had a 7.06 ERA, and a 1.246 whip, which isn't abysmal, but against a 57-win Marlins team, not exactly outstanding either. So I don't know. I I really don't think – that opponent mattered in this. And, oh, by the way, it's okay. not like Toronto's, you know, trotting out there a AAA lineup. If yeah. the, There are some people out there that believe the Blue Jays can make serious noise this season, and if they do it, it will certainly be on the strength of their offense. And, except that they might have to play all 60 games on the road now. <laughs> except that, yeah, <laughs> they may be playing 30 games a season at PNC Park or, you know, Western New York. Actually, the, the floor, last right? I saw was that, yeah, the last I saw was that it, that PNC Park was very much in play. So who the hell knows? But um, no, I don't think it's that. And also, by the way, because we are the negative podcast here, like, let me just pump the brakes. I am not telling you, I think I said this a minute ago, but I just want to just circle back and make sure I'm covering my ass here. I am not telling you that Vince Velasquez has turned the corner and that he is all of these things that we hope that he will be. I am simply telling you that he has demonstrated some growth from what we have seen in the past and that he has given us a tangible reason to believe that there may be some true maturation here. Uh, It's not just the same pitcher that's, that's kind of been doing the same things as he's been doing in the past with better results. There is a concerted effort to evolve here. And, and that's why I'm a little bit optimistic, but if we are sitting here three weeks from now, Anthony saying, well, same old Vince Velasquez, would I be surprised by that? No. No. Of course no. not. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting, Bob. Now, you know, however, however it plays out. But, I mean, you, know, you just kind of look at that and I, I, hope it's the right, I hope it's the right angle. I hope it's the right way to go because if it's, if it's not, it could, it could – well, I don't know. I, you got to wait and see. I, I guess the other option is, is wait and see what – you know, we don't know what Wheeler's going to do this weekend, so you don't know who pitches. Like, if, if he has to bail because his wife's having the baby, does Arietta pitch Saturday? Or do you throw one of the other guys? Like, do you throw a Pavetta Saturday? Well, I believe if that's Arrieta the case, it, I don't know what they're doing with Nick Pavetta. I'm not absolutely positive what what schedule he's on at this point. They might kind of have him on – they might have him on ice just to, to make him a reserve option for Saturday, only in that I believe as – it's currently scheduled that Jake Arietta will throw on Wednesday in an intra-squad game. So okay. that would not put him on pace to pitch Saturday. Well, that would, so be his, would, that would be his bullpen day, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could get something out of him if you're just willing to concede and say, we're, we're going to have an abnormal start here. Like, give us two, three innings, and we'll, we'll turn it into a bullpen game. Obviously, I don't think you want to do that game two of the season. Um, but I don't know. And, and Joe Girardi's sort of been – like I said, non-committal leading into this because he he admitted as much. We don't know what we're going to see from Zach Eflin on Thursday. We don't know what's going to happen with Zach Wheeler. Like we expect to obviously have him, but if we don't, that's something that we have to consider. So I would tell you just as a betting guy, will Nick Pavetta make a start in the first two weeks of the season? I would say that there's a pretty decent probability of that occurring. I would I would say that there's a decent chance that six different Phillies will make a start with in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, and I guess that's not that hot of a take considering that, that Wheeler will leave at some point. Like, he will miss a start or two at some point. Um, whether or not it's going to be Spencer Howard that jumps into the rotation, and we could talk about Spencer Howard if you want for a moment. You had Bryce Harper on Twitch. <laughs> I know that you're a big Twitch guy. Huge. What's your – Anthony, tell the viewers what your Twitch handle is because I know <laughs> you love Twitch. Animal Crossing, uh, Fortnite, I know. You're a big Fortnite guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, so Bryce Harper was on Twitch. What was it, Friday night I want to say it was? Uh, uh-huh. Thursday, Friday night after Spencer Howard threw it was that, that, that night, and he said if Spencer Howard is not up that week against the Yankees, then something is seriously wrong here. So – 
perhaps, if, you know, assistant general manager Bryce Harper has his way that, that uh, you know, we could see Spencer Howard in this rotation as soon as uh, sometime in the middle of next week. I guess that's a possibility that we can't rule out. Well, how out long well. – uh, here's a question for you, and I don't know the answer, and may, maybe you do. Um, how long do the Phillies have to wait to kind of protect that extra year uh, for – for uh well for both howard and bohm i don't bohm doesn't look ready but i mean if either either one of them like how long do they have to keep them out off the major league roster i believe it's the i believe it's five games seven days okay uh, don't don't quote me on that with absolute certainty but uh, i do know it's no more than seven games i can tell you that definitively okay so or uh, seven days definitively so um you know if if the Phillies have a, a plan in place, if, if they've been looking, if Brian Price and Joe Girardi have gotten together and they said, like, we love this kid, he needs to be a part of the plan as soon as possible, then you could theoretically see him by the, the second weekend of, of the season, actually as early as maybe the middle of the, the week. Uh, so I, I don't know. You know, my, my take on Spencer Howard is I love the stuff. I actually think that he's, he's ready. I, I think that he's, far enough along that he can contribute to this team. Joe Girardi said it on multiple occasions throughout this summer camp that he needs work. He needs innings. You could take that one of two ways. Does he need major league work? Does he need major league innings? Or is work uh, out of the bullpen? Or is work sitting out in Allentown throwing simulated games for six innings and getting stretched out? I, well, I don't, I don't let's, know. Let's tackle that for just a second, Bob. What the hell does this bullpen look like? Yeah, I mean, your, your guess is, is as good as mine. I mean, there, there are guys that, that I guess three weeks ago that I would have said are likely to be in this bullpen that, that aren't. Um, Francisco Liriano uh, is a guy that, that I felt, and, and I know that he may be back in some capacity, but I thought that he was going to be in this bullpen. Uh, Anthony Swarzak, there are a lot of people that, that felt that Anthony Swarzak was going to be in this bullpen. He was granted his outright release earlier today. Um, you know, I beyond Hector Neris, there's a ton of question marks. Obviously, you're going to have uh, Alvarez. You're going to have Adam Morgan. They do have some young, in intriguing options. Like guys like Connor Brogdon have thrown the ball extremely well in this camp. But there are no – if, if you were looking for, hey, what's our template in a game? This is our sixth. This is our seventh. This is our eighth. This is our ninth. The Phillies don't have that right now. Right. They do have, and, and one thing I will say in defense of this bullpen is that they do have some high ceiling, intriguing options, but extremely volatile options that could completely flame out and, and certainly not be ready for, for the types of scenarios that they're going to be put in. So the bullpen, and we can get this, get to this in a little bit when we talk about our outlook for the season, the bullpen remains a huge question mark and, and to that end a huge problem when I evaluate this team. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, to start the season, if you're looking at a 30-man roster and you assume five starting pitchers and then a swing guy like like a Pavetta as like a sixth who could also be out of the bullpen, um, I, I still think that they're going to carry, ten, what, 10 relievers? And like you said, you got Naris, you got Morgan, you got Alvarez. I don't know who the other seven are. Really yeah, don't. yeah. I really don't. I mean, there's Wait, still some uncertainty about where Victor Arano is right now. Yeah. He's making his way back, but he was behind schedule. So he's somebody that we're kind of waiting and seeing. We've been asking Girardi uh, about Victor Arano quite a bit. It, there's just not like this stamp of approval on him yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much up in the air. You know, is, is Nick Pavetta somebody that's going to end up having to start games in the first week or two of the season, or is he going to be a high-leverage guy that you're going to in the seventh or eighth inning? Like, we don't even know where he fits into this, you know, this situation at this point. Yeah, wh uh, and, where's Tommy Hunter? Tommy Hunter, again, a guy that was a little bit behind. I think that the idea is that they'd like to slip him onto the opening day roster, but we, we can't say that definitively four days, three days before the season's going to start. So that's an issue. We know that Bud Norris is not going to be a guy. We do know that. Right. Uh, which uh, Blake, I never really Blake understood Parker? why the hell. Blake Parker actually has thrown the ball fairly well uh, for Maybe them. He, uh, I mean, I, I know that doesn't really excite you, but uh, he, you know, I, I don't know. I think that the Phillies really are kind of saying, hey, let's, let's combine some veterans with some high upside younger guys. 
and just let's hope that we have the right combination. I mean, I, I don't think they're doing that. That's exactly what they're doing. That is their plan. Holy cow. Like, I mean, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm picking, per, per, uh, picking. I'm uh, picturing like them having to go, you know, they've, they've trotted out the same guys for a couple games in a row. All right, well, I can't, you know, they're down. Uh, who, who do we got out there? Uh, let's go to that Reggie McLean. Yeah, uh, let's go to Diolis Guerra. Or let's let's bring let's bring in Robert Stock. Like I mean, this is what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, well, and 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 McLean actually is a guy that that I think entering the weekend has had or has a chance to make this team. Uh, had thrown the ball fairly well. I think he gave up a, a solo shot against the Orioles on a Sunday night. You know, none of these names. Right. Like none of these names are going to evoke a ton of confidence. Like when you look at the Mets and you go, well, we have Edwin Diaz coming off of a bad year and we have Dellen Batances uh, coming in. And, and by the way, his velocity is down. I actually have pretty big concerns about him. Uh, that's yeah. a whole, whole separate story. But names, proven guys with production that have done it. Like the Phillies don't the Phillies don't have that like some of the other contenders do. And, and, and I understand that. But I will say. I I do think that there are going to be a couple of these guys that emerge and you end up saying, wow, didn't didn't see that coming or not even didn't see that coming, but th- this worked out. You know, this this was a guy that they were banking on who actually ended up giving us something. Can I tell you who that player is or who that pitcher is specifically at this point? No, I really can't. Um, I just I just think that you you don't know what you're getting into, but they do have some options out there. Uh it's just for me the the problem and the inexperience and the just the fact that this is a sprint and every game does matter. Like there's gonna be a ton of pressure on these guys. It's not like, hey kid, you know, we're gonna we're gonna work you we're gonna work you in, in mid-April and you're you're gonna get some low leverage innings in the sixth. Then you're gonna work your way into to being more of a, a, a high leverage guy in the seventh or eighth as the season progresses. Like there isn't time for that. Like you don't have the ability to to go through 80, 90 games of a fact finding mission. It's it's gonna be trial by fire immediately mm-hmm. uh come Friday night. And so that that is one concern that I have when you have this younger bullpen with all of these high upside, you know, low floor type of guys. I guess. It's my biggest concern, and I think it's it's gonna I I think it's gonna be the thing ultimately that prevents the Phillies from doing the things that they can do because I think the lineup is good. I think starting pitching is adequate. Um, and I think they have decent depth in the lineup. I think they have good veteran depth for once, which the bench was, was pure shit at the beginning of last year. We talked about that. Um, but that they, they at least have some real veteran depth this time around. Um, it's yeah, just when, that, you're, when you're it, cutting a guy like Logan Forsythe, when you're telling him like, "Hey, listen, we're not going to open with you," and yeah, I know that there's there was a story out there. Uh, I want to say it might have been Scott Lauber who who wrote, had written a, about the salary cap imp- implications and and how potentially they, if, if they stack the roster a certain way, they could actually go over the luxury tax. So if you are, uh, you know, if you're thinking, well, that that's why that move was made. I mean, I understand that if you're a, if you're a skeptic in that regard, but this, you know, a guy like Neil Walker, he can play. A guy like mm-hmm. Harrison, he can play. Like you said, it. These are guys that would have started for the Phillies in the past yeah. and and been some of their best players, most talented players. Now they're guys that are are bench options. So they they have built the depth from an offensive standpoint, and that that is something that. They have certainly come a long way with. I, I will give them that. Yeah. So, like, that's why, I, that's why I said, like, I, you know, that it's, it's because of that. That's the, the part you get excited about and say why you can see this team winning the division because of the lineup and because of the offensive depth that they have now. But the bullpen is what makes me think that they can finish fifth. It just is easily. So, so I want to keep this positive, Anthony, and uh, so let's let's focus on the strength of the team, which I think is the lineup. It um, is for sure. I I know you're a big lineup guy. We've talked in the past, like yeah. I, I I kind of feel like you can hit second, you can hit fifth, whatever, you know. And I, and I know that we disagree about this, but 
as it sits here, or as we sit here right now, do you have a, a preferred lineup? Because to me, there are a ton of different things that come into play here. First of all, is Gene Segura okay, who took one off the hand tonight, 91-mile-per-hour fastball early on in the final exhibition game between the Yankees and Phillies. Early indications are based on the tests that he went through on Monday night. As uh, we record this, that he is okay. They did not x-ray the hand. Uh, that will be forthcoming on Tuesday. Let's assume that Gene Segura is okay and that he will be playing third base for this team. How do you see this thing shaking out? It's an interesting thing. Like, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I think is really going to be part of this team, and I mean, we talked about this in the last time I recorded with you, um, is I, I really feel like this 60 games is going to be a good 60 games for Roman Quinn. Um, and I like the way I like his approach at the plate. I like the way he is up there. And I really, I really do think that ultimately he's going to win out playing, starting more games in center field than Adam Hazley. I agree um, with you. So, but I also don't want to bat Roman Quinn at the bottom of the lineup. I think he can do a lot for you at the t- towards the top. Now I know you're not going to take McCutcheon out of the leadoff spot, right? But would you would you consider going McCutcheon, Quinn, Harper? I guess you know, Hoskins, Real Muto, and then your whoever your DH is after that, whether it's you know or go DD and then the DH. I don't know. Um, I know you want to try and split lefties and righties. You don't want to you know have too many of them back to back. So I, I guess it really depends on who the DH is on a given night. Um, and I think that Segura and Kingery are towards the bottom of your lineup, um, regardless. So I, I don't have a set lineup in mind just yet again it, it this is one of the years where i might actually be like you know what you just go with what's working you know or wh- whatever you need to make work you just kind of because you know we got a piecemeal the dh changes things you can make a guy you can rest a guy by keeping him in the lineup but not playing in the field and so you know you can shuffle the lineup around a little bit more with a dh than when you have to have the set eight right so uh, you know i i kind of like i think quinn should be near the top I don't know if they'll do that. Um, he did lead off the other day, right? In the game against I could the see him. Orioles. I could also see him batting ninth. Like I, I you know, I agree I know. with you. If I were gonna, and I, I don't love that, and I would hit Quinn up at the top of the order too. Like I think, I think the thing that is, here's my thought on Roman Quinn, and and I've talked a little bit about this. I've written about this. I don't believe that the Phillies are as talented as some of the other teams in this division. So what I want to do is I want to use players that have a higher ceiling. And I, I, I know I keep saying that. And I know that, that the higher ceiling is the thing I, I've said like nine times in the last three minutes. But if I'm the Phillies, I'm trying to find a way to bridge the gap, right? And what's going to make my lineup more dynamic? What is going to bring a more diverse skill set to my lineup? And, and the answer is Roman Quinn. And, and it's nothing against Adam Hazley, who's been perfectly fine at camp. I just, I love Roman Quinn. I believe in him. I believe in the energy that he brings. I believe in what he can do once he's on the bases. I, I just, I love the player. And I know he, he gets hurt. And I, I know you can't get through a sentence talking about Roman Quinn without talking about the injury history. Fine. But for me, the way I'm going to build this thing out, at the start, I get it. Andrew McCutcheon, selectivity, a table setter, what he did as their leadoff man a year ago, I understand starting the season with Andrew McCutcheon as the leadoff hitter. But from there, I'm going Roman Quinn, too. And I know Joe Girardi likes the idea of Bryce Harper, too. That's been something that he's been toying with. So don't be surprised if we see that. But if I were building out this lineup, I'll just give it to you how I would do it. It's nice to say, though, that you know how sometimes you have a lineup and it's just so blatantly obvious where each guy is going to hit that you say there's just no other way to construct this lineup? When you look at the Phillies lineup, there's a million different ways to do it. I mean, I could have Scott Kingery hit second, sixth, eighth, ninth. Like, there's a bunch of different places you could put Scott Kingery alone. So, when I look at this lineup, I would go McCutcheon, Quinn, Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins, Gregorius, Bruce Segura, Kingery. That's how I would do it. Um, I like Didi Gregorius. I I think he's back. I think that he's recovered uh, from his elbow injury. Um, he swung the bat extremely well uh, in limited action here from what we've been able to observe. 
I just look at this thing and I, I love the idea of McCutcheon and Quinn putting pressure on pitchers before they get to Harper and Real Muto in the middle of the order. And the reason why I go Real Muto over Hoskins at four is because I, if there's a guy in this lineup that I have concerns about more than anybody, it's Reese Hoskins. Well, you know, I think he's going to have a bounce back. I've, I I've sure said hope that. so. I've said that. The only reason, though, but I and I went the other way around. I went Hoskins ahead of Real Muto. I, I, I'd like to see some protection for Hoskins. Like you, you know, you know, maybe you don't want to pitch to Real Muto, and and so you got to give Reese something to hit a little bit. Uh, sometimes I, I just you know, and I I hope DD is is back. Um, He's never been a great on-base guy, which is why he needs to be toward the bottom. Um, yeah, and that's why I have him in my lineup six. Six, you know, right? It's more about pop than it is on base. So to me, to, see, to me, so and I'm okay with him at six. I would, I'm, I, I can keep him there. Um, but if Jay Bruce is your DH, you really want to bat the DH. You want the, the designated hitter to be like seventh or eighth in your lineup. Like, shouldn't your de- shouldn't your designated hitter be somebody who's a little bit more productive and so and getting you know and again it could be a situation where you're resting Bryce and he's the DH or you're resting real Muto and he's a DH sure. and Andrew Knapp bats ninth or whatever the case might be um so that you so said like I said the DH kind of changes things a little bit for me but I, I you know I'm not in love with with batting Bruce that far down I mean he's all hit him he's a home run or nothing guy pretty much right I mean you look back over his last few years he hits a lot of home runs his batting average is terrible, <laughs> you know? So, you know, he hit 26 home runs last year. What did he hit, 212, right? I mean, so to me, putting that at the bottom of the lineup is really just kind of like you're, you're wasting an opportunity for the home run there. So I would almost bat him in that sixth spot. And I know that's weird batting Gregorius so far down, but I can almost see it go Bruce six, Segura seven, uh, Gregorius eight, Kingery nine. Yeah, I, I, I guess I could I could go for that to to an extent. I mean, if you look at Jay Bruce's on base percentage, uh, let's go so. back to uh, let's go back to 2018. So let's just use the last two years. Actually, none of those four guys. To be honest, not just, let me just stop you for one second. Yeah, you take Bruce, Gregorius, Segura, Kingery. None of them are on base guys. <laughs> Yeah, they're not on base guys, but I think when you still lay this thing out on paper, the one thing that you can say is that they're dangerous, right? Like they're not sure there's certain skills that they don't have, but they they, they're still they remain a dangerous lineup throughout. I mean, you the the one thing I like about this lineup and the one thing that's kind of intriguing about it is that you can get burned at any point. I mean, it's not like, oh, okay, we cleared the middle of the order. Now we know that if we challenge a hitter, like this is what you can't do as a pitcher. You can't get comfortable against this lineup because if you challenge a guy or you give in, you can get burned one through nine under this scenario. Whereas, you know, a lot of lineups are constructed where you say, okay, well, if I challenge him, what, where, how am I, am I going to get burned here? Am I, is, is someone going to beat an outfielder? Probably not. So that's the one thing that the Phillies lineup really has going for it in the, in the lower half. There are a million different ways that you can do this. You could tell me that, you know, I think we talked about this a year ago, Gene Segura. Like, I love the idea, though he's not a huge on-base guy, of Gene Segura, you know, hit, doing a hit and run or hitting behind a runner. He's and, a contact his back hitter. control. Yeah, yeah, contact hitter, you know, and, and he can be dangerous in that regard. So you could build me out lineups where Gene Segura hits second, and I'd say, okay, and you could build me out a lineup where he hits seventh or eighth, and I'd say, perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so Joe Girardi's going to have a, an interesting – I don't want to use the word dilemma, but he's got a, a, something to think about here as he, he kind of figures out his lineup. And, and like I said, I do know that he likes the idea of, of hitting Bryce Harper second, but I just I don't know about that. And you talked about Reese Hoskins, and let's hit on him for a moment about having a bounce back year. My concern with Reese Hoskins is this. I know that he can hit. And he's demonstrated that he can hit. And he's, he's demonstrated that he can hit for more than two weeks or two months he, he went through hell at the end of last season. So my concern, though, is twofold. Number one, what is the mental or psychological impact of the immense struggle that he had last season? A guy that presumably has never struggled anywhere near the degree that he struggled last season. Is he still confident? Does he still feel like, hey, yeah, I'm back. I can do this. And, and that has to be a concern. And number two, 
he altered his mechanics. He's starting to slowly and subtly revert back to his previous mechanics. To me, that indicates a guy that just still doesn't have a feel. And he has not squared up a ton of baseballs. He, he certainly did not square up a, a ton of baseballs in March before the shutdown. And he's been Deadpool singles, getting under balls here in summer camp. And that does not mean that starting Friday that he can't turn it on and become a force. Because for a while, at the beginning of the 2019 season, I floated the idea out of fringe MVP, I think, in mid-May. I mean, that's how good he was. So I just don't know. I'm not out on Reese Hoskins. I'm not telling you that he's, he's in store for a bad season. But from a psychological standpoint, and then these mechanical tweaks that he continues to make as the season creeps up like that, those two things combined create a little bit of concern for me. So here's what I, th- I think that when I say he has a bounce back season, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to be what he was when he was a rookie, right? And he hit 18 home runs in 50 games and, uh, you know, was on base and was near four, 400. He was slugging over 600. I'm not going that far. Um, but do I think that he can get back to being, you know, um, about 20 points higher than he was last year with batting average. So he was 226 last year. Can he get back to 246? Yeah. Can he get back, you know, keep maintain, because he's, he's got a good eye, maintain that, you know, on base percentage in the 365 range? Yeah. And I think he's going to hit a few, a couple more home runs, not total, obviously, because it's a shortened season. But, um, you know, his, I think his home runs per nine will go up at just a tick uh, so that he's slugging close to 500. And if I think you get that, I think if you let's say you hit like 246 and you hit 14 home runs and 230 at bats or plate appearances, whatever, you taking that, Bob? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not like, like I said, I'm not out on him. I'm not. I'm not telling you that it's it's over for Reese Hoskins. I, I just. I just don't know. I'm not as bullish on him. I, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that I believe he doesn't hit un, unrestricted free agency until like he's 30, 31 yeah, years 20, old. I think so, it's four, four more years, I think, right? So the Phillies are going to give him every opportunity, right, over the next – I would say they would hang with him at least beyond this season and into 2021. So I don't want to say that his back's against the wall and that he's got to do it. It's now or never. I don't want to hyperbolize the the situation, but I I do think that there's there's got to be some growth here, and there there has to be at least, if not from the Philly standpoint, from his own personal standpoint, a, a great deal of of pressure to perform, and I just I just don't love what I see. I've seen him take multiple at-bats in intra-squad games. I just don't love the way he looks right now. And, and he's streaky, and he's demonstrated that he's a streaky hitter. And I, I hope for his sake because he's a great guy. And I know that the Phillies very much want him to be a, the, the face or one of the faces of the franchise along with Aaron Nola and Bryce Harper. I hope it works out. I just don't, I don't love what I'm getting out of him right now. And, uh, you know, mustache and, and hairstyle aside. So uh, we'll see. I mean, for, for me, if, if, if he was clicking right now and I, I got this vibe that he was headed for a, a monster breakout season, I would feel great about this lineup top to bottom. But Reese Hoskins is so important to, to just bridge the gap between – we talk about, being them, about this lineup being potentially dangerous from one through nine – if he is what he can be, then my goodness, this lineup has a chance to just be fierce, you know? Yeah. But if he is more the player that he was the second half of last season, then then it's it's not nearly as potent as it looks when you when you write it out on a lineup card. Uh, so that being said, I think this is a good time to wrap things up. Uh, I am Bob Wankel. Uh, Anthony, it was good talking to you again. We uh, will definitely be back. Do you have anything with Russ on the uh, Snow the Goalie front? Yeah, we got, guys... we, got one, we got one coming out. Um, uh, I believe Tuesday night is when Russ is going to post it because he's going to be working on getting this up for us in the morning. Um, and then he's, got, you know, he's filling in for Kevin Kincaid as the kind of like the lead guy but in between the two of you doing all the writing this week while Kevin's on vacation. Um, so I think, uh, you know, by the time Snow the Goalie gets 
get ready to get published. It's probably at nighttime tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, the 22nd or 21st rather. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's kind of what we're looking for, but yeah, we're going to have a snow, the goalie kind of looking ahead at the, uh, flyers playoff return, which starts in 11 days, 12 days, 12 days. So yeah, we're close. We're almost there. Uh, that's good stuff. Make sure that you are uh, checking that out. Obviously, those guys have had a ton of success with that show uh, the last uh, few months, especially. Uh, thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, be sure to leave us a uh, five-star review if you would. We would appreciate that. Make sure that you're following us wherever you get hey, your podcast. By the way, we had one, Bob. Did you know that? Oh, did we? No, I did not know that. Yeah, we had one from – I'll read it real quick. It's not long. Uh, came in from uh, Dr. Josh S., whoever Dr. Josh S. is. Uh, great Phillies podcast, five stars. I can't pull a Rush Joy and say it's the only Phillies podcast because I do love High Hopes as well. But I started listening over the last month and really enjoy listening to Bob and Anthony talk baseball. And they had some great interviews as well, especially Jim Eisenreich. This pod is definitely a part of my weekly play playlist, joining Snow the Goalie, as I listen on my drive to and from work. Great work, guys, and go Phils. Oh, we certainly appreciate that. So if you too yeah. would like to leave a five-star review, that would be awesome. Make sure that you're following us, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever you get your shows, we're available on all of those. And like I said, we will be recording once again on Thursday, and we will have an episode for you on opening day 2020. It is finally, well, at least it's almost here. So uh, I know I personally can't wait. I'm sure that you can't either. So we'll be back to talk some Phillies baseball with you soon.